Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with four smart, sport-loving ladies. This is Helmets and Heels with Lauren, Donna, Taylor, and Mia, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. All right, ladies, it has been quite the fun run of Victory Tuesdays. And it came to a very sad ending Saturday night. I understand there are so many great things about this regular season. I do, and certainly the postseason was a bonus. But I have to tell you, I was very disappointed Saturday night. I was close to devastated. Oh. I was the most upset I have been about a football game in a very long time. And yes, that's full well knowing this team's a year ahead and they've got the coach and they've got the quarter. I know all the things. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be told what's great about this yeah. season and this team. I just really thought the moment that Patrick Mahomes was injured, this team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, are going to the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. I was convinced of it. And when it didn't happen, man, was I upset. Yeah, I, I think that I w- even after that, I wasn't confident that they were going to win. I just think at this moment, Kansas City is a better team as a whole than the Jags. Um, and that didn't lose my leave my mind. There was a couple brief seconds where he was like, could not put pressure whatsoever. And I was like, how is he going to do this, honestly? Um, but then when Chad Henney came and drove all the way down the field, I was like, this is it's not the day. <laughs> like, if you're going to let that happen, it's not the day. And there was just, there was a lot of miscommunication, it seemed like, on offense of things that really clicked previously that weren't clicking today. And that's everywhere from, like, the offensive line not looking as good as they had and the, the the games leading up to this. Obviously, we saw we saw the drops by Christian Kirk. And we, we saw some other just things that weren't there that we felt like the last five or six weeks all clicked so well. Um, but I also do think the last few weeks there were a lot of moments where we're like, all right, well, the defense is – going to have to step up big so I I had moments where I was like okay like they will they are going to be able to overcompensate for maybe some of the other things and I just never really saw that get going um you saw some pressure a little bit on Mahomes in the beginning but then I feel like after he got hurt that died I'm not really quite sure what what the issue was there but it it's it stinks and it was sad and it was one of the moments where I was sitting there and I was like I was looking around and I was at bricks at the beach and I'm like so many people were so sad and I was like oh I feel so bad for all of these people like I I was sad but not nearly probably as sad as a lot of them because I think in my head I wasn't convinced they were going to win number one number two I had this team winning seven games and not making the playoffs so to me I think this to me I was thinking of it as like wow this season's been so much fun and I was not expecting it to be this much fun and Mia, that's probably where I was when the Jaguars beat the Titans is, wow, the, this team's actually going to make it to the postseason, the playoffs. We certainly never expected that. But then once they beat the Chargers in the fashion that they did, it was so magical. I wanted it to continue, and I thought it was going to. Yeah, I, I think, though, that this was actually, I mean, listen, I said it yesterday on primetime. I know it upset a lot of folks out there. But I think this was this was the the script If you could ask for a script for a team in year two, and yes, perhaps I'm just blindsided by the fact that I've seen in all my years of covering sports, I've seen teams where they climb the mountaintop, they almost get to the top, but now they think they've arrived and then it comes back to bite them in the butt. Um, So maybe that's why I say this. But if you could have scripted 
a better way for this team to grow long term, this was the script Mm -hmm. because they had their trials and tribulations early on. They learned how to win and they learned how to keep their head level headed and create multiple wins. Yes, the ball bounced their way multiple times. I've seen several side by sides of Joshua Dobbs's fumble Mm -hmm. that Josh Allen recovered for a game winning score next to Josh Allen's fumble. That was not called a fumble this past Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so listen, the ball's only going to bounce your way how many times? And unfortunately, the ball bounced Kansas City's way a couple more times this past Sunday. And moreover, um, Travis Kelsey caught the ball a few more times, yeah. a season-high 14 times on 17 targets. Um, so that's something that needs to be addressed, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But in terms of now this team still having a chip on their shoulder, still feeling like they have something to prove, and you don't need that to succeed. Trevor Lawrence said that in the pre-draft process. You don't need to have a chip to succeed. But for this, you know, underdog, no one cares about Jacksonville, that's still a thing. I think that they're in the national conversation now, but they still feel like they're overlooked. And I think that that actually could be a blessing in disguise down the road. I did feel better when I read the Jumbo Shrimps tweet. I thought it was glorious. Made me feel a little bit better on Sunday. They Their tweet said, don't be sad because it's over. Be optimistic because this is just the beginning. And yes, that is the rational way of mm-hmm. thinking. And certainly as we wrap up this season... And we got to hear from Doug Peterson yesterday, Trent Balky today. Now we look ahead, certainly, and, and focus on the future and, and the bright future that's ahead. But it, I do think for some people, there's always going to be that what could have been because mm-hmm. who knows how far the Jaguars – yes, we expect this team to make it to the postseason now every year from now on. But there are things that happen, and, and you just referenced the Bills, Mia – the Bills I, had a terrible day, right? I would feel worse. Day, right? feel way worse. Fan. And so it just because you get the quarterback and just because you're confident in the coach and then you start to build around him and you have Stefan Diggs and all those pieces, it doesn't always translate mm-hmm. to winning. And so to be as close as they were to the AFC championship, that's what it was just it was a it was a gut punch to me. And I think the other thing is, like you mentioned, Taylor, Chad freaking Henny. I know. That's who you're gonna let hand the ball off and yeah. find Travis Kelsey wide open. Chad Henny? Yeah. Like, I was that watching was a friend who had forgotten that Chad Henney was a, even here as a Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, in 2014, yeah. he was our starter before Blake Bortles. It's been that long, and he's been sitting on the bench for that long. Yeah. And that's who just drove down and scored that touch. I was furious at that point in time. Uh, Mia, how loud was it in Arrowhead? I mean, it was louder than it was in November. I, I wasn't, you know, granted I'm in the press box. If I'm on the field, maybe I have a different sentiment. But, I mean, it's loud. I love the game day atmosphere at Arrowhead because it truly is a college game day atmosphere where the tailgating is throughout the parking lot. I mean, I'll take it this way, too. Like, I love – I know this is going to upset Taylor. I love Miller Park where the Milwaukee Brewers play mm-hmm. for the same exact reason. I love all the tailgating around it. I love that Kansas City, just like Milwaukee, if you go to a – Cubs fans love it. They, it's amazing. They fill it up. If you, go to a cer- <laughs> if you go to a certain bar on game day and you buy a drink or you get a you get an entree, they'll give you a free shuttle to the stadium. Like, I love that how much the cities rally around mm-hmm. those teams and those stadiums. So, I enjoyed that part of it, and I thought that was super loud and entertaining. But in terms of the bowl itself, like, you know, it was loud. Was it as loud as all the uh, posters were proclaiming that it would be and that Trevor should, you know, not be talking about this and how loud. It's a weird hill to die on, but okay, cool flex, Kansas City Chiefs fans. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, it, it. It better be louder for Joe Burrow yeah, because he ain't going to be phased by it. He wasn't phased by it last AFC Championship game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's loud, but I've never been to Seattle. I've heard that that is louder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
We'll see. That's the one they say like creates actual like tiny earthquakes. Yes. Because it gets so loud and like the way the stadium is. That's the thing. It's not always just the fans. Yeah. You get 70 plus thousand people together. They're loud. Yeah. When they're all cheering for the same team. It's also how it's shaped. And Mm -hmm. and I'm sure the altitude has something to do with it. Uh, I've, I've never been to Seattle either. All right. So let's get into and fix. Let's hopefully fix why the Jaguars are so bad against tight ends. They were the worst uh, as far as allowing QBR to tight ends all season long. It wasn't just against the Chiefs. So how does that problem get fixed? We just have older inside linebackers. Obviously, Foya Luakun is is excellent, but the other two next to him at times, Devin Lloyd, Chad Mumo, both rookies. Yeah. So do they just get older and better? Is that how we fix this? Well, the beautiful thing is, is the Jags also led the league in allowing receiving yards to running backs. Uh, they didn't allow Jarek McKinnon to catch a pass, although I don't think he was really targeted on Saturday. Uh, Nobody Isaiah- was targeted besides freaking Correct, Kelsey. correct. Isaiah Pacheco, <laughs> so Isaiah Pacheco had one catch for six yards. Obviously, they did damage in the run game, and we'll address that in a second, but I think the Jaguars did a good job of getting their linebackers on the running backs and taking away that threat. I do not think their linebackers should have been lined up on Travis Kelsey. If anything, mm-hmm. we saw Rayshon Jenkins had the most success against Jenkins or against Kelsey, excuse me, in coverage. And if anything, why wasn't Andre Cisco floated over to him? I know he plays more of that center field safety patrol position, you know, the eraser in the back, but I would have put him on him. At least he keeps up with him. He's the most physical tackler on the defense outside of Foye Aluakin. I would have stuck Cisco on him, and they didn't. And they had some success with Rayshon. Now the question is. Is Trey Herndon going to be your nickel next year, or do you go out and do you draft a hard-hitting, speedy nickel with a priority pick, and then that's how you counter with Kelsey? Because let's be real, Lauren, as the Jaguars are building here this offseason, they're no longer just thinking about, we need to be stopping Derrick Henry, we need to be stopping Jonathan Taylor twice a year. Like, yes, that's important. How are you going to compete with the Chiefs? Mm-hmm. How are you going to compete with the Bengals? That's also got to be in the forefront <laughs> of Trent Baalke and the rest of the front office's mind. Yeah, because I think for me it's hard the, the hard part when it comes to a team like Kansas City is even if their weapons aren't wide receiver as in weapons, we know Travis Kelsey is probably the best, if not one of the best in the league, but the wide receiver wise, there's not they don't have absolute studs, but it's Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes is able to make guys even better than what they were. And that's what we're going to hope obviously that Trevor Lawrence also does as the years go and we when Doug mentioned like this is the start pretty much, like he's going to get better. Um, so, but when you're playing a team like that, who has a quarterback who can make their receivers even better and more dangerous, it's really hard to get that secondary because you're not allowed, you can't really use your, any of your defensive backs and you have to count on those guys up front like Foyer and like Muma and Lloyd. So I guess you want to say you're just hoping that that year two, they make a big jump and they're able to contain that a little more when it comes to the center of the field, because that was a major issue a lot this season. Um, and we did see Devin Lloyd start to progress through the, uh, throughout the season. And that was kind of once, once he got benched and Muma came in and we started seeing that switch. So maybe that's some motivation for him to say, Hey, like this is, this is your job. And this is one of the things we were worth worse at on def like one of the worst things we did on defense. And so we've got to fix this. Um, but also do you address that? Is that something that you go get a veteran guy? Because right now you're seeing that it's just foyer. And I do wonder, it sure felt like they played a lot of zone Saturday against the Chiefs, and is that because they didn't feel like they have, to me his point, one person that can cover Travis Kelsey? Mm-hmm. If you double cover him, you're leaving somebody open. And and I was obviously joking when I said nobody else was targeted. You had, uh, as far as Noah Gray, the other tight end, he certainly caught a, a long pass. I think he caught a 27-yard or the longest pass, actually, 
or the Chiefs, and then you had Pacheco a little bit, and mm-hmm. you had Kadarius Tony a little bit. Like Marcus Valdez Scantling caught a touchdown. It, it wasn't all through the offense wasn't all through Kelsey, but certainly he was the one that did the most damage. And yeah, it will be interesting to see Mike Caldwell in year two. What changes does he make? And how does this team address that moving forward? But I think if we're if we were to all take a, a poll, did the offense lose this game or did the defense lose this game? I would say the offense lost yeah. the game. Same. To your earlier point, Taylor, as far as the drops for Christian Kirk, and it just never felt like they were in a rhythm because there was so much pass rush from the mm-hmm. Chiefs. And it'll be fascinating to see in the AFC Championship game kind of what wins out. Is it is it the Bengals' high flying offense, or and depending on how healthy Mahomes is, mm-hmm. but can the Bengals figure out a way to to bracket Travis Kelsey and prevent him from, you know, doing a ton of damage like he did against the Jaguars? All the different things that'll go into it. it it'll be fun watching from this perspective. Last year when we watched the AFC Championship game, it didn't really have a whole lot to do with how the Jaguars were going to yeah. play either of these teams moving forward. Now that we get this close, it will be really fun to watch that. And, and we'll certainly get more of that game in just a little bit. But Taylor, you said you watched it out at the beach, mm-hmm. and the atmosphere was spectacular, oh, yeah. but there was one problem that you had with the fans. Yes. Um, Jaguars so, fans, specifically. Yeah, it, it was honestly insane. I got out there like two hours before the game even started, and the line for Bricks was all the way down the street. And if you know where Bricks is, like it's, and they were letting people in that back door, mm-hmm. so like it was all the way down the street. And I walked up, and I was like, oh my God, there's still two hours until the game and this is how crazy it is. And it took me an hour. The only reason I even waited is because my friends and family had were already in there or I would have went to a different place. So I ended up waiting an hour to even get in there. Even but, though they had a seat ready for you. Yeah, like I had even like I had food and my shot and drink ready when I sat down because I was like, I'm almost in there, like <laughs> finally. But it was, the environment was crazy and everybody was so excited. It was so loud. It was so fun. But when Patrick Mahomes went down, there was a lot of very loud cheering, like woo cheering. And I just don't like that. I'm not a fan of cheering for injury, no matter what, especially in that moment. And they kept replaying it on TV and it looked bad, bad. Like right now we're looking at it and it's an ankle and people are like, all right, well, you know, he'll, he'll take a little drugs and he'll be okay. He'll, even though he could barely put pressure on it. But when he first went down, it looked worse. And so they kept showing that and everybody kind of was like, once they started replaying it, we're even like, oh, no, like, ouch, you know. So they had that reaction, but they were still cheering. And I was like, I don't like that. Like, don't cheer for an injury. I get you're probably a little excited because in your mind at that point you are like, the Jags have a chance now. Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. But I feel like let's wait a little bit. Let's wait until Chad Henney walks out on the field and then you cheer because it's Henney, not when someone's laying on the ground in pain. And see, I cheered when he went down as well. They're actually showing it on ESPN right now as Corey Peters and Arden Key were in there. I cheered not because I was glad he was hurt, mm-hmm. just because I thought it improved the Jaguars' chances greatly. That's all. Like yeah. I wasn't like, oh, I'm so glad he got that hurt. He's but hurt. It's like, yeah. But that happened. It wasn't a dirty play by mm-hmm. either Jaguars player. If he's immobile, even though some th- Chiefs fans try to make it seem I'm like sure they did, because they were still mad about <laughs> yeah. Cisco and Juju Smith-Schuster. But I-, I never felt like a bad person for being like, oh, because I never wanted the Jaguars to hurt him. Yeah. But since it happened, I was like, oh, this does bode well, and. Mm-hmm. and I actually like my friend's uh, dining room into her living room area has a little ledge mm-hmm. and I jumped off and she was like, why are we jumping off the ledge? <laughs> and then she looked up and she saw a player limping and she's like, who's that? You're like, Obviously Patrick. not paying that close of attention. And I was like, that's Patrick Mahomes. And she was like, oh, that's why you jumped off the ledge. <laughs> Again, thinking at that moment. The Jaguars have this. I, yeah. I was clearly wrong. And like you said, Taylor. At the well, and that's the what Chiefs I think another, another piece in my head was – I like I get it when you you're excited because you're like okay yes there's a higher chance but I've also 
always been the person I was like, well, now if you lose, you look bad, like even worse, because you just did it with like, you couldn't be a Patrick Mahomes with one leg. And so that was also in mind. I was like, if he goes out and they lose, this is going to look terrible. Um, so th- those are the thoughts that come through my head. That's why I'm always like, no, I want to be the healthy guy. Like I want to be the guy. Sure, and that's what uh, the guy friends were saying that. They're like, no, I want to beat Mahomes. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> You're like, I, I want to win. <laughs> I just want me after the game to go into a locker room that is victorious <laughs> and us just have the best times of our life having another victory Tuesday. That's what I want. I'm very selfish about these things. All right, we will get it to biggest takeaways from Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke. Mia was there for both of those press conferences yesterday and today. You were listening to Helmets and Heels driven by Tyra Outlet on 10 to Next on 82.5 FM. <laughs> A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Me, O'Brien, Taylor Dahl, JJ LaSalva, making it all happen. I'm Lauren Brooks. Doug Peterson was named the AFC Coach of the Year by the 101 Awards today, so that's exciting. Not at all. Uh, I mean, it's good that he was recognized. Where are the 101 awards but I, based out yeah, of? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Maybe Duval. I actually yeah. heard it's Kansas City. <laughs> Is it okay? Where but the I draft could be wrong will be. I. Those are the kinds of things that once the season actually ended, I was like, oh, okay. I have to like focus on the future now. Where's the draft this year and next year? And yeah, oh, it's yeah. Kansas City yeah, this, yeah. Year, City this year, Detroit next year. Yes, and the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas next year. Right after Glendale, Arizona this year, then Las Vegas next year. So yeah, interesting stuff. All right, Mia, your biggest takeaways from talking to Doug Peterson yesterday and Trent Baalke today. I suppose start with Doug, please, ma'am. Yeah, uh, biggest takeaway from talking to Doug uh, as I'm reviewing my notes and tweets. Um, I, I think the biggest one with Doug was when he was asked about Trayvon Walker. Um, I, I asked him about, well, excuse me, Michael Duraco asked him about Trayvon Walker specifically. I asked him about adapting to your personnel. Uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He cited, obviously, the move to push Darius Williams back to the perimeter week 14 after Shaq Griffin had missed time, but they continued to play Williams in the nickel as opposed to his more natural spot. Um, That said to me that second year with Mike Caldwell as a play caller, will this team adapt to the personnel if they truly run it back like so many of the players in that locker room Saturday night said they have the capacity to do so? Um, Arden Key, specifically on Saturday, in saying why he wants to come back to Jacksonville, said he expects Mike Caldwell to be even better in year two. He cited that what people don't talk about is a coordinator from year one to year two is similar to a quarterback's jump Mm -hmm. from year one to year two or year two to year three in the same system. Um, And so I think that that was one of the biggest takeaways I had from Doug um, in a broader sense of Mike Caldwell comes back, Press Taylor comes back, presumably. Both of those guys come back. An additional year of them having that continuity for Trevor and for all the other players and the system itself is so huge. Um, So that was biggest takeaway from Doug. Biggest takeaway with Trent, um, knowing that the exit interviews were yesterday and today and there will continue to be meetings. Trent Baalke saying to reporters this morning that the plan is the front office and scouting departments will come to the meeting tomorrow with their their evaluations of the season. The coaching staff will come to that meeting with their evaluations, and then they'll meet in the middle to decide what the needs are this offseason. Um, I think it was fascinating that without saying, he hinted that in his conversations with those pending free agents, it does sound like they might be willing to negotiate with the Jaguars, maybe take a little bit less because they want to be in Jacksonville. Um, I found it fascinating that when I asked him if he plans on using the franchise tag, obviously no one wants to use the franchise tag. They'd rather negotiate. But Mm -hmm. he was very adamant about, I believe we can get it done without using 
the franchise tag. And so specifically the candidates for the franchise tag, Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor. I think it's more likely that they get a deal done with Ingram. Verbatim, uh, Trent Baalke saying that cash is greater than cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to make sure I say it correctly. It wasn't cash is greater than cap. It was, I want to make sure I get this quote right. Cause it was actually a great line. And I think it really is relevant. Cash is more important than cap. I think it's actually really relevant to this situation because I believe if you can go to Evan Ingram and say, shot Khan's going to cut you a check for 30 million up front. Can you play on $11 million this year, as opposed to 15, you may get somewhere else. Then I think that that bodes well for the Jaguars in keeping him and retaining his services. I think the same can be said for Arden Key. I do think, and Taylor and I were talking about this off the air. I do think Jawan Taylor is going to test the open market. While I do think he quietly is a priority for this team, I would think of any of those three, he's the one that's going to want to at least look around and see what other teams believe his value is. And the mm-hmm. tricky part for Jawan Taylor being a right tackle is, right, would he get more money elsewhere if they think he can play left tackle? And then the question becomes, if he leaves, do they believe Walker Little can play right tackle? Mm -hmm. And we, at least in training camp, thought he was better left than right the last two training camps. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as in games are concerned, what you're evaluating as far as going up against, you know, the players that you're used to and they're used to your tendencies as well. But it seems to me like from everything I hear – they want to keep all three of those guys and they are going to do their dangdest mm-hmm. to make it happen. And I think for each situation, they all want to be here too, which is which is great news. All three of those guys, Arden Key, Evan Ingram, and John Taylor, they all want to be here. And and I'm a little naive in this because I always believe, Taylor, that I would take less money to be in a situation where I'm happier, to be in a situation where it's winning football, mm-hmm. than I would chase the dollar. That's what I think. But again, I'm naive in that because yeah. that's never been the situation. Yeah. I've never been a free agent yeah. or in the NFL looking for uh, more money. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things that I was telling Mia yesterday because, or a couple days ago. And because I think it's easy now to say that. You're coming off, you know, you just this loss, but still, you're coming off a divisional playoff win All you guys are clicking really well. Coach Doug Peterson's been great, and everybody loves him. And so it's easy to say that in that moment, like, yeah, maybe I'll take a little less because I love this team and I love these guys. But when other teams potentially start calling and they're like, we need you badly and we'll give you this much money, what happens then? Your Bears better not be (laughs) one of those teams. I I think the Bears are going to go after Juwan. Um, Our weakest on the line was right tackle. But I, I think that... I think that it also, some of these guys would, and we've seen it in rare circumstances around the league, guys taking less money. But I think it does go beyond that because I think a lot of it is they've played with guys all over the NFL. So, yes, as great as Jacksonville is, there's also probably guys calling them from other teams like, this place is great too. We have this and this and this, and this coach does this, and this city has this and whatever. And so I I think that in addition to money, there's going to be other things to incentivize these guys. I don't know if that's a word. Um, that's the right word. Okay. To get those guys to other places. Now, it, it's up to them from that point, and it's up to, obviously, Balky and the Jaguars to make it sound enticing enough to get them to say, okay, yeah, that, that sounds great, and we know what we could do. We already know what we just did this last year. Mm-hmm. Now we can take this a step further, and that sounds like I, what I want to do. So I think it's a lot of them – trying to convince them that this is what's best for them when it comes to their career, when it comes to 
their living, their lifestyle when it comes to all of sure. these things. And they can do that without saying we're going to give you $18 million. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent true. I just always want to keep in the back of their mind. You love it here in Florida, like mm -hmm. especially Jawan. You don't want to be in Chicago. <laughs> the weather's nicer here. There's no state tax. All the things. Family's closer to here. All those things. And by the way, also to the Bucks, you can stay away from Jim Bob Cooter as well. Uh, they're interviewing yeah, I saw that. him. I, I Did want you see who else? Rick Stroud just reported the Bucks no. will interview. One Keenan McCarty. Ah, okay. Well, he has already been taken away from here. Uh, but I want Trevor's, the, the brain around Trevor, all mm -hmm. those brains, those four brains, I want those to stay intact between Mike McCoy and Press Taylor and Jim Bob Cooter and Doug Peterson because I like that growth to be exactly the same, you know, yeah. on the same trajectory as it was this season as far as 12 touch, touchdowns, 17 picks last year to the 25 and 8. For this season, I'd like that to, to get even better next season. I wouldn't panic yeah, on but, multiple fronts because there is a guy. You may know him, Lauren. Okay. His name is Frank. He's a good buddy of Doug's. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to get a head coaching job this offseason. So, I wouldn't panic too much. Full Frankie oh. comes down to Duval County. Do you know who I'm talking yes, about? Yes, Frank. Okay. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. there you go. Okay. Not Frank We've been talking about so many Franks today. <laughs> we have been talking about a lot of Franks We were today. listening to Sinatra earlier, and we were listening to Frank's play call. Now we're talking about Frank Reich. I was like, I don't know which one we're talking about. Yes, this has been my life, my cubicle life, the last two days. So I get to work, and there's a giant 10, 10 XL tent about two inches from my face <laughs> in my near my cubicle. I was like, okay. Uh, and it hasn't moved at all. And also, by the way, air freshener was sprayed all around it while I was at my desk. So that was also lovely. <laughs> then yesterday, someone near me was listening to music out loud at their cubicle uh, for a couple hours, not with headphones. And then today I heard Sinatra across <laughs> the way in the cubicle. And me talking out loud. about pooping with regards to Sinatra. So. <laughs> and I was like, this is why people hate cubicle life, because <laughs> other people don't do stuff with headphones and it drives you nuts. And I don't know where this tent's going to go, but it needs to get out of my way. Who was listening to music? Uh, well, one salesperson that sits in front of me was listening to music yesterday. Um, I think it helps his brain. Uh, and then Graham was working on the video today. So in Graham's defense, the Frank Sinatra had to do with the video that he's working on. But you're saying Jack was jamming out to like Chicago and the like yesterday. And look, it was fine music. I heard Almond Brothers and all this stuff. But that's very distracting yeah. when I'm trying to get work done. It's like if you're in a cubicle, you need to do stuff with headphones. Uh, that's just how I feel. All right. I agree. I have a question for all of y'all. JJ, I'm going to start with you. What was the best part about this Jacksonville Jaguars season? So oh, man. I'm going to give you some um, options, and uh, you can go outside of them. I, my favorite moment. I don't moment. need options. I got one. My <laughs> go favorite moment is Shaq Griffin's hit. I think that changed the complete trajectory. Shaq Quarterman. Shaq Quarterman's hit. Excuse me. Changed the complete trajectory of the season. I love that. I think Tennessee probably wins that game and who knows what happens after that and he's a miami hurricane so okay. i appreciate he never plays so like for and a guy he's a like hurricane. that that's what it play, was <laughs> you know that's that was cool well rayshon's also hurricane he made he two made huge a lot plays. Of plays yeah yeah absolutely and, but and this one Shaq's to me was like here. this one changed everything i can understand that i think that's a really good one um i'll give some options to the ladies and just for the listeners since i typed them out uh sweeping the titans travis Etienne's comeback doug peterson as a play caller Winning a playoff game at home, Trevor playing in two playoff games, and obviously winning one of those. What was the? And you can go outside of those as well. Those were some of the ones that I came up with. 
best part of the season. This one's hard because I like all of those options. I really love. I noticed Jackson Deville's speedo, speedo was not on there. <laughs> no, it was not. Nothing about Dewey. Nothing I, about Dewey. Sad. I um sorry, I think that it, it's very easy to lean towards the Doug Peterson as a play caller because I do think there were a lot of games that that is what got them to the victory at the mm -hmm. end and his aggressiveness and going for it on fourth downs and at certain times when you're like, oh, God, and then it worked and you're like, thank God, <laughs> like, what was that? But if we're talking about a particular moment, um, I think that overtime Rayshon pick uh, six was – for me, Against because the Cowboys. yeah, I think that one for me is where I also see the season really shift big time mm -hmm. too. Where I was like, "Wow, this team can actually make it happen at the end of the season and get into the playoffs." Because that's when we really started talking about, "Okay, well, if they win, they're in." Um, so for me, that play and it was one of the ones where I can just remember the like exact place I was standing, who I was talking to in that moment, like seeing this happen. So I think that's going to stick out to me for a very long time. And just Rayshon in general, the way he, his season went, that can like kind of all connect together. Yeah. I enjoyed having a normal functioning locker room and season. I enjoyed having locker room availability so we could actually get to know some of these players. I appreciate how cordial and how professional they were. Easily the most professional, cordial team we've had in a locker room. Obviously, we weren't in the locker room the past two years. Uh, they made it fun to go to work every day. Uh, I appreciate the coaching staff, how transparent and willing they were to work with us media. I appreciate Doug being a normal functioning human being after the last two years of whatever that was. Um, and of course, I do appreciate Doug Peterson, the play caller, because I felt like I got smarter watching and covering this team each week. Um, and yeah, I know I tweet out every game day at some point during a game. The last few weeks, I've had to tweet out the meme of why can't you just be normal? And the Jaguar is like screaming. Um, because sometimes I was just like, this team finds a way to win, but it's never the normal way to win. Mm -hmm. um, but that made it fun and exciting, and they never lost faith. They never lost stability. And uh, in a crazy league like the National Football League, it is quite the rarity. So that was my favorite part was that it was fun. It was exciting. There were twists and turns. But at the end of the day, they were the same dudes. And I think that that's a hallmark of Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. And I pray to the good, sweet baby Jesus above that it remains that way forever forever <laughs> uh, forever at least 10 years <laughs> yes. we'll go with that uh, I would say it's got to be Trevor Lawrence's playoff experience at this point in time because again none of us predicted that the Jaguars would get into the postseason other than Donna uh, who we miss uh, but she's hanging out at home with her family and I've had so many people ask me about her mm -hmm. and I'm like she's she's good I promise she's just hanging out uh, but so we didn't predict the Jaguars would get to this point and so the fact that they're there and already had now Trevor has two different games under his belt, planning for two different postseason games. And, and yes, all the football that led up to that point that seemed like playoff football because it was pretty much if you don't win, you're out. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he's had that now going into next year because he's battling, he's going to be battling, we assume, guys like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow year in mm -hmm. and year out. And they are ready or amassing a lot of playoff experience. So that, to me, uh, is a huge key. We'll review our impact players Against the Chiefs, final time for impact players. Very sad, everyone. Uh, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Hummus and Heels, driven by Tara Outlet on 10 on 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. 
so midway through the season or so, maybe a little later than that, when the Jaguars started winning, Taylor, we stopped letting you pick your impact players out loud because you mm-hmm. were jinxing them. <laughs> Do you think we should allow you in 2023 to pick impact players? Uh, maybe, maybe, yes. I think I'll be back. The jinx may have been washed away. <laughs> <With> <laughs> because I will winning. say, I would like secretly pick and each week, it wasn't a, it wasn't not working like it wasn't jinxing anymore. Okay. So I think I'm I think I'm good now. All right, sounds good. And but if that first week it's bad, yeah, I was gonna, we're gonna say cut it off quickly. <laughs> that we will do. All right, let's review our impact players that we picked against the Chiefs. I picked Travis Etienne and Foye Luakun. Foye led the team with 14 tackles. Travis Etienne played very well. I'll say both wins, even though the Jaguars didn't win. Mia, how about you? Uh, I had Andre Sisco and Josh Allen, uh, neither of whom I don't think was in the top three. Uh, yeah, not, neither was in the top five um, in tackles or uh, defensive statistics. Uh, so, yeah, 0 for 2 for me, trying to go mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Maybe that's what jinxed the Jags. I should have gotten an offensive player in there. It's all your fault. Yes. Uh, well, Coach Campo walked in here and said, you do realize because I had to call in sick on Thursday – that's what jinxed them. <laughs> if he had come in on Thursday, the Jags would have won. would have been good. We all honestly can do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. JJ had Evan Ingram and mm. whatever linebacker was going to try and cover Travis Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> so nobody. Uh, I was correct <laughs> in that they desperately needed someone to do that. Yep. But I'm not surprised that they didn't get that done. Um, Ingram had a snoozer too. Yeah. So their tight end did a lot. Our tight end did absolutely nothing. Yeah, it was kind of surprising they didn't get him the ball more. I'm not sure if it was the nature of how they were defending him or what. But, I mean, for him to only have five catches for 31 yards and the long was 16, like that Mm -hmm. was – I was a little wacky. And even Zay Jones finishing with five catches for 83 yards. I mean, he I don't think he had a catch in the first half. I think yeah, they all came in the so. second half. Mm-hmm. So um, it was certainly interesting. And also the vertical passing game kind of disappearing in the second and third quarter kind of – a mirage of sorts. I yeah. mean, when we asked the players about it, they were like, no, it didn't. And we were like, uh, yeah, yes, it did. <laughs> like, it very much disappeared. Like, well, we were just going three and out. So, that, like, that's why. And, well, certainly that's a byproduct of it. I mean, they were just trying all these swing passes and stuff in the flat when, in reality, Travis Etienne was averaging six yards a carry. And, I mean, Trevor hit Christian Kirk on a dime. Mm-hmm. The ball yeah. just went through his hands. Why yeah. not go back to the well? Well, yeah. I will say, like we talked about in the first segment, the connection between Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk just didn't seem to be there. And I do understand he had pressure a lot more than he was used to the offensive line, whether it's just time, you know, and, and they were just wearing down from so many important games in a row and just being a little bit beat up. Meanwhile, the Chiefs had all that rest, but certainly the Chiefs offensive line played much better than the Jaguars offensive line did. And, and the connection between Trevor and Christian, that that not being there was the, I would say, the biggest surprise for me. Taylor, you loved how Jamal Agnew, after the fumble, you know, he tweeted out that while he'd like to have it back, he certainly, you know, had a great, loved this team. The season was mm-hmm. was great. And, and a lot of fans, most fans, yeah. were complimentary. Pretty nice. And I was honestly surprised because I, I've seen that turn tragic very fast. If someone, I mean, it's a, that a fumble on the goal line pretty much is where that where that was and I know I immediately texted me and I was like man I feel bad for him because that's just such a like critical and terrible moment for that to happen but I do think a part of it because he played so well for the rest of the game and there was a lot of moments that because of Jamal there where they were starting was just 10 times a thousand times better Um, and his runs have just been so good lately that it made a lot of people a little more forgiving um there's certain guys that maybe that wouldn't have been for, but 
I, I did. I felt so bad. I was like, this poor guy, because I know he's going to beat himself over, beat himself up over it. And fans are just so mean. But then when I was looking at the comments, the majority weren't like the majority are like, you're good. Like, come, you're, can't wait to see you next year. They All should of have reviewed it. <laughs> yeah, things like that. And so I loved that, though. And that just to me is just it shows how different the vibe is this season compared to 2017 to me, because I just felt like. 2017 in so many ways were so negative and like so many things in the locker room just seemed so dramatic and crazy and the Twitter was still toxic even though they were winning and they were in the AFC championship game there were still fans just like not being nice to players and not being nice towards coaches or whatever it may be and even players like that year throwing tantrums and causing problems right away uh, I just you don't get that vibe from this this team and that's what makes me confident obviously, aside from Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, that it's not just a fluke. It's not a season that's just like, okay, well, they got a little lucky because the rest of the division decided to just completely blow it this season. Um, it's There's a way better vibe, a way better connection. They, think, they seem like they click better. They seem like they're happy. And the fans, I think, feel that too, and they're playing off of that a lot. And for what it's worth, uh, and JJ will laugh when I say this, on XL Primetime, we talk so much about – the feeling and the healing mm-hmm. and everything else, the buzzwords that Doug Peterson used in his first offseason with the Jags. I don't get the sense that everybody's being nice and everything's hunky-dory just because everybody's feeling and it's sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. And I wish we could all go back to, what's that line from Mean Girls, when we were in elementary oh, school yeah. and we were all friends. It's not that. I think it's just it's a professional work environment yeah. where you are valued, you are respected, and therefore mm-hmm. you show that same respect to everyone else around you. And yeah. that's where, you know, people from the outside, fans looked at this team and they were like, I would want to be a part of mm-hmm. this group. Like, I would love to go to work here because, you know, you're being mentally stimulated. Mm-hmm. You're respected by your teammates. You get along with them. You're not being abused. You're not being abused. <laughs> Certainly something. Um, You're not all in a corner singing Kumbaya either. It's yeah. not like, you know, you're, you know, being, you know. Yeah prissy or anything like it's it's a hard-nosed football team that Mm -hmm. grinds it out clearly isn't the most talented compared to the Travis Kelsey's Patrick Mahomes you know juggernauts of the world but has such heart and I think that's why this you know this city fell in love with that team but real quick on Jamal as well um average 44 yards per return yeah they're not in the ball game if not for him I think that's I think that like I mean he's that play doesn't happen Mm -hmm. if he doesn't return the ball and almost scores a touchdown, if not for Harrison Bucker's face. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think a lot of people were like, look, like, how can you blame him? Moreover, that play was actually designed for Christian Kirk. And if he had not exited with an injury, mm-hmm. it would have been Christian Kirk who would have caught that ball, presumably, yeah. and then gone into the end zone. And so, and so there's like that part of it, too, which, I mean, you know, and maybe Christian Kirk fumbles it as well. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think, that, you know, and that goes back to what we were saying off the top of the show of the ball has bounced this team's way so often weird and the wacky has favored them for seven eight weeks and it just didn't on Saturday Mm -hmm. no and the other thing about Jamal Agnew and the returns what he did was so special on Saturday because the Chiefs are actually really good Mm -hmm. in kick and punt return coverage so for them to have those those types of returns that was shocking to them that that is not in their DNA whatsoever and so yeah he's been excellent at that all season, all season long yeah. and he is so electrifying yeah so much fun to watch because you never know it, he could take it and, and yeah had it not been for stupid butker <laughs> who went into that game having you know missed six field goals all season I kept thinking that might lead yeah, to yeah. the Jaguars victories 
Butker's going to miss and we get to cheer, you know, at the end. And Riley Patterson makes all that stuff. I'm still not over Saturday, if you can't <laughs> tell. I'm still working through my pain and my anger. Uh, as far I'm as. I'm still not over the double doink and it's been well, several that, years. <laughs> yeah, because that was what? It was 20, 20 after the 2018 season. So it was 2019. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, then you have a few more years. I still cry. We're still so. not over. <laughs> Miles Jack wasn't yeah. down. And y'all did a poll on XL primetime today about 2022 versus 2017. Was that overwhelmingly for the 2022 team being more liked than the 2017 team? Uh, JJ, what were the final numbers on it was that? It's like 90% to one. <laughs> yeah. I just think it was so, there's so much, and it goes back to what you were saying, Mia, but like I think this team, number one, there's like actual credibility. And when someone does something that is not, correct or not good they take they take ownership of it and I just feel like the 2017 didn't have that a lot of those guys that they just didn't have that and then but there's still a confidence it's not like there's these there's this team of guys here that are just kind of like we're lucky that's why we're doing this they're still confident they just don't have those massive egos that are overflowing out of every locker and I think that's a big part of why a lot of people like this team better well and I think it it also is about Doug Peterson mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people look up to him now and, and many did when he was in Philadelphia and think that's the type of guy that I would want to play for and it's not that he's too lenient on them whatsoever mm-hmm. you know going back to oh, I'm not gonna have to have them work out at mandatory yeah. minicamp and the uproar that that created it's not that he's like too lenient by any means it's that he's consistent mm-hmm. and you can compare it certainly to the disaster that was in Urban Meyer's tenure here but I think it's bigger than that I think it's it's not every coach is as consistent as Doug Peterson to where when they show up to work they know what they're going to get mm-hmm. and that's not being told, yeah, you're the best ever and you never make a mistake. It's not that by any means. It's But it's working through the issues together and having somebody who's been in, a, in an NFL locker room, I think also speaks to them really well. And, and yes, going back to him as a play caller, like we talked about earlier, I, I have to say, I think it was maybe 10 weeks into the season, I said, I, I think Doug Peterson's the best play caller that's ever been in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And the team was not doing all that well at that point in time, but you could just see it unfolding. And once they started to, yeah, figure some stuff out, man, he is a dangerous play caller. And that also is fun to watch. And that's another reason that I think the 2022 team is liked more than the 2017 team. Because the 2017 team, it was all defense for the most part. Every once in a while, yeah, Fournette would get going and stuff like that. But they didn't ever really trust the offense. Well, now you can trust the head coach, yeah. the play caller, and you can trust the quarterback. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think that when you're going back to Doug being such a big part of it, and you could see majorly how much he trusts the team and the team trusts him in that Chargers game. When Trevor throws four picks and he's still like, it's fine, here's the ball, throw the ball, you're good. That shows that he's confident in Trevor. Trevor obviously respects him enough and has enough confidence to say, yeah, I've got it. Because it could have been very easily, okay, we're just going to run the ball because you don't have it today. And it didn't have to turn to that. Absolutely. Yeah, and and Travis Etienne, what he was able to do this season coming off of the Liz Frank injury is just exceptional. And we all lamented James Robinson leaving and thought that would be a a massive blow for the run game, and it really wasn't. And I think Jermichael Hasty did some good things. Uh, Snoop Connor maybe we'll see more of in training camp and and moving forward. But uh, the balance of run pass maybe at all times wasn't perfect, Mm -hmm. but certainly Doug Peterson will also learn the strengths moving forward. All right, how do we make the Jaguars elite? We will get to that coming up. You're listening to Hummus and Heels, driven by Tyrell on 10 XL and 2.5 FM. These heels?
wheels are made for talking. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Welcome back to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. We enjoyed every single Victory Tuesday this week. That would have been 10 of them. 10, a whopping 10. Uh, way more, obviously, than we have in the past few years. So thank you to the Jaguars for that. Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and the like. All right, Mia, your question posed to us, what can make this team elite? Go for it. Uh, what can make this team elite? Well, I will tell you this. A lot of folks looking around in the press box on Saturday as well as in the 72 hours since the Jaguars lost to the Chiefs and saying, comes down to pass rush Mm -hmm. at this level of the playoffs. Do you have what it takes to make Patrick Mahomes feel uncomfortable? Do you have what it takes to chase Joe Burrow out of the pocket? And so, yeah, I mean, until it's proven otherwise – at this point in time, and after speaking with Trent Baalke this morning, like I'm leaning more towards if the best available player at 24 is a edge rusher, Take that it. is who they will sign. Um, what's most fascinating to me is we've talked so much the last few days about who are the Jaguars going to re-sign and bring back as opposed to who is available on the open market and where are their other areas of need. Because, um, I mean, presumably – if you're able to bring all three of those guys back, or even if you don't bring Jawan Taylor back, but you bring Arden Key and you bring Evan Ingram back, you're still going to have to draft another tight end. And that's even if you bring Chris Manhurts back as well, because you're still going to need a fourth tight end. Mm -hmm. You're still going to have to go out and draft a nickel corner then, because as much as, yes, Trey Herndon was an admirable fill-in, you really don't have a nickel corner. Yeah. So, and then if you're going to go add edge rusher depth, especially, heaven forbid, Dewan Smoot walks as well, because you're going to need depth as well there. I mean, you're counting on three to four rookies once again starting for you and making an instant impact. Um, And so that's where I think, you know, while I think that there are those areas of need and they will be addressed in the first day or two of the NFL draft, I also, like, won't be surprised if they go edge rusher just because that's the be-all, end-all. You have to have the quarterback, you have to have the coach, and you have to be able to get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. But, see, I also think interior pass rush is so important. Right, and that goes hand-in-hand. And so are they – maybe going to draft both of those or could they look somewhere in free agency to get a guy that maybe is at the end of his contract with a team and he wants to win. And so now Jacksonville is a place where you can come to win. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's a a much less expensive option. And obviously I'm not saying the Jaguars are going to get Chris Jones or Aaron Donald as far as interior pass rushers, but maybe a guy that, that is going to be better though at getting to the quarterback that, quarterback than Foley Fadakasi was this season Mm -hmm. yeah I mean when I I immediately just kind of like jotted down my list when Mia put this question out there and my first I put DB corner pass rush and then I'd personally like another wide receiver um in addition to Calvin Ridley yes uh so and just because I he has all of the potential in the world but he hasn't played football in two years by the time this starts so I think it may be a little bit of adjustment period and I think number one when you're looking at these teams there's a reason Joe Burrow's like even better. He was behind a terrible offensive line, but because he has T Higgins and Jamar Chase is just able to do absolutely incredible things. So it's so important. I feel like to have guys like that, but coming from uh, me who is already multiple draft episodes into my bears podcast, Mm -hmm. I will tell you that we talked to Joe Marino from the draft network and he said the two deepest position groups in the draft this season are edge and corner. So for me, that's comforting because two of my things on my list in the pass rush edge part, but I agree that interior is super important also, um, which makes me think that maybe 
you can try to address that interior just because the depth that edge is so deep in this year's draft. And then obviously that corner position being also deep. But he did there's like I, I think he said that on their draft network they have their kind of big board. And I want to say he said over 30 edge rushers in the top 100. Like, that's how deep edge is in the draft this season. That is good news. Yeah. So that's, to me, going to be one of the easier positions to address and try to find somebody in. So when you're looking at that interior, I think it'll be important. I think corner and depth at DBs in general might be a a concern for the Jags. But I do think a few moves in that makes this team even better quickly. Yeah. Obviously, they've got a self-pass rush. And – Depending on what happens at tight end, uh, that's another position group. Dane Brugler said as far as he agrees, edge rusher, corner, and then uh, tight end would be the third group. So depending on what happens as far as uh, man hurts, and I assume they're going to bring back Evan Ingram, but could they draft a, another tight end in there to help as far as that's concerned? it I think this team for sure needs that wide receiver in addition to Calvin Ridley mm-hmm. because you're banking on him being really good, but if – say he gets hurt or if he's just maybe a step slower than he once was even though he obviously is telling everyone he is ready to go Uh, but you still I think need another guy and maybe you want to develop a guy at that position and so this is the first time in a long time that I have not memorized a mock draft from (laughs) by this at least the first round obviously not all seven rounds but a first round mock draft from start to finish I think this is the first time I've had to google top free agents it, it, this calendar year, well, this calendar year and last calendar right. year. Um, I mean, that's saying something right then and there. For sure. That I don't even need to look at, like, oh, who's available? Because it's like, you know, we got who we need here. Just figure it out with the group you got, which, I mean, that's obviously what any team's going to say and in a vacuum. Like, yes, they all love each other. That's why they all want to run it back. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at this list of free agents right now. And to your point, Lauren, like, it'll be very fascinating to see whether or not the Jaguars, A, actually resign all these players, you know, the the handful of players that are going to be free agents. Or are there guys that say, "Mm, I want to go play with Trevor Lawrence. I want to go trace a ring with Doug. Um, You know, looking at the NFL.com's list of the top 51 pending free agents, you got Javon Hargrave of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's 30 years old, signed a three-year, $39 million deal in 2020. He's had 17 and a half sacks the past two years combined. But at 30, I mean, is he on the decline? Do you really want to invest the money in that? Um, and does he even want to leave Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. Correct. Because they could win a Super Bowl. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that so that's one there. Another name that I find fascinating, because I remember when he signed with the Vikings, um, is uh, uh, Dal- Dalvin Tomlinson, when yeah. he left the New York football giants to head over to Minnesota. 328-pounder. He can rush the passer. He can play on the edge. He can play on the interior. 29 years old. Uh, then I also got a kick out of who their ranked 31st-ranked player right after Tomlinson is. Yannick Ngakwe. Yan. Still only 28 years old. Oh, and then at 33, he you got DJ a, Chark. He suffered a bad injury this season. I forget what it was. Yan did uh, and missed at least half of the season, something like that. I forget but, what the injury was. I don't personally think it's a bad thing to go snag a 29, 30-year-old because the rest of – there's a lot of young guys on the defense right now, and then obviously they'll address that in the in the draft also. So to me, a guy like that might help 
um, just because you are adding a little bit of veteran leadership on there. Uh, obviously, the price tag matters. Is yeah, what the price comes tag with that. is certainly key. JJ, you are an ACC fan, football, no. college football wise. No, he's well, a no, team. I'm not. Your team is. <laughs> this my... is what I hold hate on, about hold Gator on, people. Hold on, I, hold they on. Think just everyone... wait, let me finish. Hold on. I was about to say your team is in the ACC, but you are yes. a bigger fan of the SEC. That's I'm not I was a fan going. of any conferences. Well, I, but you I, that's think weird. the best football is played in the SEC. Of course. That's where I, okay. That, I'm an American with eyes who watches <laughs> football, yes. That's where I was going with my statement. Don't worry, I was not claiming you to be only an ACC fan. But here's what I was going to say. So do you believe drafting guys from Georgia is the smart thing to do? Or Just Alabama. In general, like uh, I, I wouldn't look at like an individual school at all. I, I just think you draft whoever the best player is at the certain position that you want. I, I wouldn't look at conference affiliations or no, that doesn't mean anything to me. There's plenty of guys who are good from everywhere. Very true. Bucky Brooks has the Jaguars drafting Georgia cornerback Keely Ringo, 24th overall. I wouldn't take any Gators, though. They seem to be horrific. <laughs> <Weren't> you, <laughs> At least in Jacksonville, they did. Yeah. Well, well, you, well, did Jawan break that? Did it, I think so, yeah. Uh, but the guy I also, that they are probably going to not resign. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, thanks for your time. Um, Lauren, because I heard you talking yesterday on the Frangie show about the nine player, the team with, or the school, it yeah, was Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, has the most players left now, in the few, playoffs yeah, in and only one years. SEC quarterback right now. So it's kind of crazy. Unless Jalen, if you're counting him, I guess. But yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Um, and Joe Burrow was drafted originally, mm-hmm. obviously to the Big Ten, not drafted, but signed. Recruited first. Yeah, yeah. recruited. Uh, I think in a few years, we will see that become Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly Alabama is always near the top. But it goes to show you how well Lincoln Riley recruited yeah. at Oklahoma, and then we'll see that shift, obviously, to USC as well. I just wonder, or I, I honestly do think it's never a bad thing when you're drafting from Georgia or Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, and, Trayvon's been a or LSU. really not great. I see, mean, that, he's his stats, from Georgia. Yeah, his stats have not been great, but I do think he provided a lot of pressure, and I think he was disruptive. So I, he don't he doesn't. There was the defensive stats, ends who were sure. drafted behind him who were way better. Yes, like George Karlaftis. Yeah. He had six sacks. Trayvon what, finished with two and a half. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, sacks-wise. But I do think in the run game he was massive, and you're not going to pile up necessarily those stats. I think he was instrumental to the Jaguars beating the Titans in the game here. And I think he had some big plays against the Chargers, too. It's just... And I think also this is a guy who he's told before the season you're going to play outside linebacker only. And then partially through the season he's told, actually, we got that wrong. You're going to play outside linebacker and we need you to learn this inside position too and you're going to have your hand on the ground. Yeah. And so I don't place all the blame on on Trayvon for not being as disruptive or getting as many sacks as those other guys. But I do think he's going to be a really good player here. Let me say that. Yes, and I, I think that that's where the comments from Doug Peterson about – He'll become a great edge rusher and interior pass rusher. We're so fascinating because mm-hmm. while I don't think it's wise to have Trayvon Walker trying out 18 different positions like they did with Dewan Smoot and to some extent Taven Bryan, at the same time, I do think it's wise to play players where they most naturally fit. Yeah, well, and that's what we heard the whole offseason last year when we started hearing about Trayvon was like, not quite sure where he can play or where mm-hmm. we will play him. So that's not a shock to me that they weren't quite sure right away where he was going to fit and be 
most impactful. But the problem with that is obviously when you take a guy number one overall, people are going to be looking at the statistics side of that because especially when Aiden Hutchinson's right after that having a monster year sure. uh, on paper. Right. And I do think they played in a little bit different of the position. Mm-hmm. But all right. So we said earlier that the Jaguars should feel a lot better than the, than the Bills mm-hmm. at this point in time looking ahead. How about the Cowboys? Yes. Also them. Yes. <laughs> also them. <laughs> because uh, they have Zeke playing offensive line. <laughs> and Zeke and Zeke's about to walk. Yeah. And yeah. Pollard's hurt now. So yeah. they're just like. And not just hurt. It, it wasn't just a high ankle sprain yeah. like Patrick Mahomes. And Dak like, just sucks every other game. I also don't think Pollard's not under contract. Yeah. He's I not. think he's. Yeah. He's they, done. they were saying they're going to tag him. But now with a broken fibula that as a running bad. back. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I feel bad for him. Yeah, that's a rough one. And I um, don't even have to ask the question of whether or not the Jaguars should feel better than the Giants at this oh point. Oh, yeah. Time. I mean, that's a given. The Giants, that's the happy-to-be-here club. Um, well, I was surprised that it was a complete blowout. I think that speaks to the strength of the Eagles and them hitting their stride at the right time. Um, I mean, no offense. Daniel Jones is not a top I mean, a lot of things caught up with them. And If I, I hear I'm, that one more time, I, know. I swear. Chad Forbes just posted that today. I was like, he just drives me insane. But I said that I think whenever midseason was, I remember saying I see the Giants. I was like, at this point, they've won so many games that it's hard to see them not scraping into the playoffs. But I see things are going to start catching up, and that's what happened. Like, they just – they didn't have – a great offensive line at all. They didn't have wide receivers. The defense just kind of started getting gassed towards the end of the season. And it's Daniel Jones. Like, do I think he's terrible? No. But do I think he's good? No. The Giants and the Jaguars made this the seventh consecutive divisional round featuring at least two teams that missed the playoffs the previous season. Love that. So that's a team that, yes, they were just happy to be there. Whereas the Jaguars made some noise in the playoffs. And I think part of that also speaks to the strength of the AFC versus the NFC. Um, I've brought this up on a couple of programs now. What I think is so fascinating about this playoffs is when you look at the four quarterbacks that remained in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Not only could you make the argument those are the four best quarterbacks in the AFC, those are the four best quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. Mm-hmm. You could make that. You could make that argument. With all due respect to Jalen Hurts um, and Brock Purdy, and Brock mm-hmm. Purdy, of course. Um, and, and so, what's wild about that? I'm just glad we're not talking about Tom and Aaron. Correct, correct. <laughs> but what's wild about that is, let's go through those names again. And what teams do they play for? Kansas City, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Buffalo. Small market. Mm-hmm. No New York. No L.A., no Philadelphia, little mid mid-sized markets. Just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's very fun for the game. Yeah. I think that's four cities that revolve around that team and the success of that team. Um, and I think that that's a good thing. That's a good way to grow the game in other parts of the country outside of metropolitan areas where, I mean, let's be real, um, how many people in L.A. are focused on the Rams and Chargers for their everyday life? How many people like Lauren are still upset about the Chargers losing to the Jags? Well, I think they have fans. I don't think it's quite like... Yeah. what it is in those other cities. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think it's interesting, too, when you look at those teams because it's not like they had the exact same path to get to there either. I think you can say Cincinnati and Jacksonville may be pretty similar in the fact of they were bad for a while. They had a little glimpse of good because you had a couple really good seasons with Andy Dalton, um, obviously with Blake Bortles in the AFC Championship, but there was a lot of bad. There was very dr- high draft picks, back-to-back seasons, um, but – the Chiefs, I feel like, never, at least 
during the time that they were getting Patrick Mahomes weren't a bad football team. They just got lucky, and the Bears picked Mitchell Trubisky instead of Patrick Mahomes, and they ended up getting him later than I think they expected. But so it's it's also interesting that there's just such different paths. And then the Bills were playing the Jags in the playoffs in 2017 after that 2017 season, and they seemed a little bit lost for a minute. And then Josh Allen comes, but it is one of the teams that you look at now and you're a little concerned because you feel like they had everything they needed and they still couldn't do it. Yep, couldn't even really get close mm-hmm. against the Bengals. Yeah. All right, we'll keep it on the NFL when we come back. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tarlett on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Could even run like that. These heels are made for talking. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. There was this girl drinking her hand. Shoot me and let's get into trouble, Grand. I ain't never seen something so fine. And I was doing anything to make her mine. I was out of my mind. She was out of this world. There was this girl. A little Riley Green for you on this Tuesday night. Riley Green will be this year's performer at the players military appreciation concert that's always on a Tuesday this year it will be Tuesday March 7th they usually get festivities started around 435 so make sure that you put that on your calendar if you love country music as much as I do Uh, I got to see Riley Green February of 2020 he opened then it was Morgan Wallen then it was Jason Aldean so there were two opening acts for Jason Aldean who was obviously the headliner and then of course, March 2020, we all know what happened. Yeah. Didn't get to see concerts for quite some time. And then February of last year, I got to see Riley Green uh, up in Savannah with some girlfriends. We went up there just for his concert. And, uh, it was, oh, he's so much fun. So I'm super excited uh, about Riley Green playing at the Players. And I have lots of friends that are already very excited as well. We'll talk more NFL here in a second. But had either of y'all heard of Riley Green before today? Oh, I, yes. Okay. I had, yeah. Actually, um, I, d- yeah, I don't listen I, to him, like, regularly, but he's definitely one of the ones that pop up on my Spotify if I'm listening to, like, certain country yep, suggesting. Yeah. What'd you say, JJ? I've never heard of him, but okay. I enjoy that song. Yes, he has a lot of, of, I think, really good songs. He has a song called I Wish Grandpa's Never Died, and that I got mm-hmm. to see in concert right after my grandfather had passed away. So I, this always happens to me at concerts. I end up crying through one of the songs. Uh, it's just something that's you know usually very touching. A tradition so. unlike any other. Correct, yeah. With Chris Stapleton, it's Broken Halos, because that song reminds me of when my best friend passed away a few years ago. So that song, I was bawly. It, it, yeah, so it's a tradition unlike any others, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited. They always bring great artists. Last year, Kelsey Ballerini, and she did a marvelous job. And uh, the players, if you've never been to a military appreciation concert, I highly recommend you get your tickets. It's just 30 bucks for your Tuesday Stadium Pass. And you get to see the music with that and, and walk around, get to, you know, see the golf course and all of its uh, luster. It is just wonderful. I can't say enough good things. And, of course, we'll be out there. Yes. At least I hope. We better be out there. We're usually out there. Because <laughs> if we're not out there, then y'all are doing the show that night without me because I will be seeing Riley Green. All right. Let's get it to uh, this one story. I forgot to put this in the rundown for y'all, so I may catch some of you off guard. But have you seen the fact that the NFL could make the AFC-NFC championship games neutral site i yeah i saw i've, I've seen within the last couple weeks that that's awful pick up momentum a lot yeah i hate it like are, what are, are you kidding me yeah nfl football other than yes the super bowl is all about home field advantage and earning that 
Yeah, and I heard like Leon was saying it on XL Primetime and pretty much said that, where he was like, the reason you do so much throughout the season and the reason you battle your division so much is to get certain things after the season. And if you are the best team in football and you don't have any advantage out of it, it's not fair. Now, I do think that it is a little weird. I do think that maybe – they want to adjust it because of certain things happen with like the Bucks this year and their division. And they're like, you sucked. And maybe you shouldn't get if you have it under a certain record. And maybe that's where they're leaning. But also, but I think it's Bucks money. Didn't make it to the NFC Championship yeah. game. So, yeah. And I understand why they were going to have the neutral site game this year, Mia. But cu- moving forward, come on, man. Let's go back to that point I made before the last break Kansas City, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Buffalo. They don't want you to win, Duval. They don't want you to win. Look how quick they were to move it to Atlanta, which I understand has an NFC team. But little old Buffalo and little old Kansas City, we're going to have to go to Atlanta. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't New York. If the Jets didn't play at MetLife, it may have been. Mm -hmm. Even in the cold weather, they still may have done that. May have even moved it to Minneapolis, which still isn't a massive city. But nonetheless, it's got a pretty new stadium. It's not Arrowhead. It's not Orchard Park. I'm just telling you that this is there. I learned this weekend having some friends on the NBC broadcast crew. There's a lot of things we don't know about what Roger Goodell and his henchmen are thinking. There's a lot of things that uh, I just assume the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just say that, you know, they're not afraid to be like, oh, you did this to me. Okay, screw you. You're getting stuck with X, Y and Z. What have we ever done to Roger Goodell? been the 42nd largest media market in the country yeah not been new york or exactly. wherever they want to move the jack not being london that's my assessment of the situation yeah. um and the fact that moreover they can have a bidding war to get those divisional sites just like they do the super bowl and so mm-hmm. then you got even more money pouring into the yeah, national football league they don't need pockets. any more money nah, but they don't, that's what they look at they don't and care. i do and that's a good point mia about the because when you're looking at the future of the nfl right now and you're looking at the quarterbacks of the future NFL right now and the now it's those teams that you're looking at. And so when they're, they're taking a look right now and as they had this discussion, obviously because of the other, the other game had completely different circumstances of why that one would potentially have, uh, have to move. But what, when they were probably planning this and they're like, Oh man, look at this, this may be a good idea because then we won't have to go to Jacksonville. We won't have to go to this or this. But it's odd to the Kansas City one. I mean, they're having the draft in Kansas City. So they obviously liked Kansas City enough to be there. But I do see them looking at Cincinnati and Jacksonville and being like, "Mm, is that really where we want to potentially be spending all of our championship games for the next 10 years, which we do. Yeah, and I think, Again, that's what you've earned. Yeah. They don't get to just take, take it, it away, away. because yeah. it's more money and they say they're scouting Super Bowl locations. And to me, that's that's completely different. A lot of the people that are going to go to that championship game live in and around the city. Mm-hmm. So it's totally different than the masses coming in for the Super Bowl, the corporate people and all the fans yeah. that don't actually care about the game itself. They're just going for the Super Bowl experience. Well, and that's what's interesting to me because it's if – and and this is in their mindset. Their mindset is, hey, these are smaller markets, and pe- like we don't want to like who cares. Yep. But if that's the, if that's their argument, 
then who would want to go to a city that is not involved in it to watch Jags and Bengals then, if that's their mindset? Because are the, you really think that, yeah, our Jags fans are going to travel, but if you have it here, there's going to be a ton more, and then now you're putting it in a, a random city and having random rich fans want to go watch the Bengals and Jags. And moreover, those Jags fans that do travel are going to have to put up hotel money. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to put up restaurant fees. They're going to have to put up travel exactly. fees and all of that. That's, that's, that's why these insane. cities are going to bid for those games, oh, yeah, and that's right. why the mm-hmm. NFL – listen – the college football semifinals are sold out no matter ding, where ding, the ding, hell ding, they ding. are. Like, my parents traveled from Ocala, Florida to Arizona, you know, to San Francisco. They go everywhere to watch Clemson play. It, it People don't care. If you're a huge fan, it's not like the NFL is like, hey, you know, we're really going to hurt some of these fans that make $50,000 a year and can't afford to do that. They don't give a damn about us. Yeah. You know, like, it's sad. It's the sad truth. Yeah. No, it is sad. And, and, I have friends that went to Kansas City, and I was so happy for them to be able to go experience that. Obviously, wish that we had won, but I kept thinking, but if the Jaguars make the AFC Championship game, can you afford, not my friends specifically, but yeah. fr- fans in general, can you afford to go to both Kansas City, turn around, not just take time off from work, but actually afford the whole trip yeah. and then go to Kansas, or sorry, then go to Cincinnati or Buffalo, in this case, obviously Cincinnati, for the AFC Championship game. If the Jaguars win, then what? I mean, yeah. at some point in time, it's it starts to get very expensive. Why oh, credit yeah. cards were invented, remember? I said this on the program a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Experiences over material <laughs> possessions. Be in debt for the next yeah. five years. I am not going to encourage <laughs> anyone to be in debt over, over football. Love but that attitude. Hey, winning is expensive, folks. Winning is expensive. Get yeah. used to or it. you you know, stay in town and or you become a media member, you get to travel for free. Well, you know, it, you know it's not like options. these tickets are going to be for everybody, even if they are here. You know, you, the Eagles versus Cowboys or the Eagles versus uh, Niners game this weekend Lowest ticket as of last night was $895. Good grief. So that's a home game. It's not like just anybody can go to these games anyways. That is very true. It, it amazes me. Taylor and I were talking about this mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. It amazes me the amount of money that some people are able to spend going to Crazy. Yeah, football games. Yeah. And and I was talking to Brian about it, and he's like, well, if you didn't go to as many concerts, I'm like, yeah, but usually the concerts are in town, so I'm not having to travel. Usually. Yeah. Like, get a same. hotel and so plane tickets. It's that plane ticket. Oh, rent. my God. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, I'm always going to defend me going to concerts. <laughs> I do want to note this, though. Um, a lot of respect for um, Brian McCarthy, the uh, head of NFL PR. Really, you know, respect him a lot. But that press release last week, it just rubbed me the wrong way because, yes, I understand you have to pre-sell your championship potential playoff tickets. Right. But for the NFL to take the victory lap of saying, yeah. oh, look, we already sold 50,000 seats. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that. that's their way that's, of saying, hey, this is viable. Co- so all correct. you media members on Helmets and Heels can <laughs> shut the hell up. <laughs> I loved that Joe Burrow when asked after the game when the Bengals beat the Bills yes. in the snow in Buffalo, like, better give them their refunds oh, back. Yeah. He was sitting on that all day. He, oh, of course, all week. He, it's funny. It was in his notes in his phone. He was I, like, don't forget. Right. <laughs> I really don't like players from other teams usually. Like, if you're not a Jaguar, I probably don't like you. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want to like you. There's something about Joe Burrow. Like, I'm him. trying not to like him. Because I love him so much. He's right. He's in our, he's going to be in our way. He but, was like wearing that, the wrong jersey in the press conference. He came up with like the backup quarterback's jersey. And they were like, did you just decide to switch numbers? And he like takes him a second and then he looks down and he's like, Oh, and he like just starts laughing. He's like, I guess I brought, I got the wrong one. <laughs> like, whoops. And I was like, I just love him. Cause he's like goofy. And that's how I like, it's funny because he all, everyone's always like, 
Joe swagger or whatever because right. he'll have his glasses and like his cool suits and all of this stuff. But I was like, I feel like that's a front. Like he is goofy and quirky and like just his personality is hilarious to me. And like I feel like because he's the quarterback of an NFL team, he feels like he has to like have a little bit of swagger to him. But to me, he's just hilarious. I mean, that's how he's always been. Smoking yeah. the cigar in mm-hmm. the LSU locker room after that game. Well, I guess it wasn't LSU locker room, but the I do think he's cooler though than Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is much more the self-deprecating. Hi, I'm Patrick and I love State Farm and ketchup. Yeah. Um, which I mean, that's also just his personality. Yeah. So jump, it- jump passes for 30 yards. Yeah. It's pretty cool to me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I listen. I love Patrick Mahomes, yes. and that's what every Uber driver I had in Kansas City would ask, like, or they, or in the you know aftermath of the loss, they'd be like, "Oh, we're sorry." And I was like, "Dude, if there was anybody who was going to beat the Jags. Like, yeah. if it's not Joe Burrow, I'm glad it's Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the best player in the National Football League right now. Like, yeah, there's nothing to hang your head about if Kelsey and Mahomes beat you. Like, I understand the Chad Henney part of it. By I un- seven, right? I, like, exactly. Guess like, what though? We're going to uh, learn to despise these guys. Yeah, sure. like, like yeah. this happened with Brady. You know, yep. Peyton to a degree. But, like, the longer these quarterbacks stay the best, correct? people pick holes in them, people don't like... People already, like, Donna, for no reason, despise <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and his family. Like, she is white. Yeah. But, like, hate white. Patrick Mahomes because of that. Like, more of that is going to come. There's going to be oh, absolutely. reckless hate. For no yeah. reason Reckless. on Joe Burrow We've, and Patrick Mahomes. It's coming, and it's going to happen oh, yeah. to Trevor as well. We've already seen it towards Patrick Mahomes, I think, because of his brother and his wife. And um, his voice. And his voice, yeah. <laughs> it, but I do – that's what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> but that, is, that is going to intensify. And right now, it like, yeah, I, I think that you don't look at it with Joe Burrow, but when that AFC championship game is constantly – Patrick or Trevor or the game before the round before obviously the conference I mean the divisional round and you're playing these guys constantly and it's the same thing and like if you keep losing or it's competitive or the fans start to chatter and things start to happen that's when you really start getting agitated by these players and you're like never mind like I hate you but that's what's so much fun about sports Mm -hmm. is like in life you're not supposed to hate people but in sports you're totally allowed to hate somebody because they play for the wrong team I will say uh, again I was very emotional Saturday I have to give that disclaimer but the next time a state farm came commercial came on on sunday i was like brian has state farm i was like you better get rid of state farm <laughs> because they support Mahomes, and taylor has my back because they also support aaron Rodgers. she hates yeah. him oh yeah now Mahomes is dead to me and state farm you better get rid of state farm and find another insurance company the real bad ones were the dak like dak's on a lot of commercials too yeah and they were going all weekend after the game i'm just like god being <laughs> yeah. a cowboys fan you know, it's easy to be like, oh, you know, Cowboys fans are also Yankees fans, Laker fans. Listen, I got a Cowboys fan who's my age. It's not like he's seen a lot of glorious moments. Yeah, no. It's rough for these folks because yeah. he has to be like, you know, he gets crap that he's jumping on a bandwagon his whole life. But it's like, I, I'm, not like I was eight. The, I'm not getting any of the residuals from that. I, I didn't get to enjoy anything. I'm a loser, and, <laughs> and I get made fun of for being on a loser bandwagon. It's craziness. Yeah, that it's tricky when that you are— That being said, screw Cowboys fans. Yeah, <laughs> when you are a fan of a team like that, people are just going to automatically assume that you're a bandwagon fan. Yeah. And then now, even in Jacksonville, you've got yeah. like— 
you're going to start to see a little bit of separation of like the people who are like, I had season tickets when I've the Jaguars won one game. One. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had, wore the clown outfit. Oh, right, right. And then you're going to have, the, well, of course they've changed, but yes, yeah, you're going to have that group of people being like to the new people, like, well, we were here during the yeah. miserable years. Where were you? And it's like, don't create a faction or a division in the, in the fan base. Just everybody get along. We're all yeah. here. Uh, at well, least and that's what we feel. Real quick before break. Yeah. Cause the thing with Dallas, I think is obviously saying it's America's team. And like, mm. granted, like you said, JJ, so these, these kid, the kids our age didn't really experience that or just, they were super young when they experienced that. It was actually like that run of really good Dallas Cowboys. And so for them, they don't know how it feels to actually watch America's team in that moment. And so it's, it's, but so it sucks for them because their whole life they get picked on for being like, you're not America's team. And they're like, I'm not saying that. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that didn't, Believe those words me. didn't come out of my mouth. Uh, by the way, to clarify, when I say hate, I obviously don't mean actual hatred of someone. Uh, coach Driscoll, the men's basketball coach at UNF is listening. He said, dislike, dislike. Oh. So yes, I dislike hate Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> sorry, Driscoll. <laughs> sorry, Coach. Sorry, Driscoll. <laughs> I mean dislike. For what it's worth, before we hit the last yeah. break and we put a pin in the NFL discussion, I did show Taylor Lauren while you were in the bathroom in the last break. I showed her a picture. Were you guys that, in the bathroom together? No, no. Oh. I was here with I no, I was in here with Taylor okay. with you. This is what I'm saying. Sorry, I gotta clarify that. Uh Lauren was in the bathroom. Taylor and I were sitting in here with you, JJ. And I showed her Colin Coward just tweeted out a edit of Aaron Rodgers in a Jets jersey. And he said uh-huh. he looks less talented in this jersey. <laughs> that is true. All right, we've got one segment to go. You're listening to Helmets and Heels driven by Tyrell on 10 to Next on 82.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Since we've talked a little country music tonight, one more note when it comes to the NFL. Chris Stapleton will perform the national anthem before the Super Bowl. Get ready to have amazing. Yeah, get ready to have your socks knocked off. Uh, I saw, Are you going to cry? Uh, no, I will not cry. Okay. <laughs> I will not cry at this, I promise. Uh, he covered Garth Brooks's Shameless, the song Shameless. Mm-hmm. And I saw that video the other day. I mean, he's just incredible. So, yeah. And so I'm certainly looking forward to that. By the way, uh, score predictions. I don't need an actual score, I suppose. Just game predictions. Who you got as far as Bengals, Bills, and 49ers, Eagles? Uh, let's I check. mean, Bengals, Chiefs, not for Bengals, Bills. Because I know how, what happens is. in that game. Yeah. Let's check what that line is, according to uh, the good folks over at my bookie, Because it has been kind of going back and forth a little bit. Ooh. More movement. Bengals, one-and-a-half-point favorite mm. over the Chiefs. So the uh, Chiefs started as favorites, yes. and then it's moved. And so way. I don't know. Obviously is that because, because of Patrick? Yeah, is that because people are seeing him at a grocery store? No, I'm limping I think, around. Yeah. I doubt he's leaving I mean, leaving he's going to play. I would assume he's going to play. Yeah, absolutely. And but. I know Coach Campo apparently was t- texting with Andy Reid today, and Coach Campo feels pretty confident that Mahomes is going to play. Reid did not specifically say that to him, folks. Don't go quoting that. Uh, <laughs> all Andy Reid told Coach Campo was that he had a great cheeseburger yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Since Coach Campo asked him how his cheeseburger was after the win. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> a good cheeseburger is life. I can't take it. I know. I'm dying, too. Um, but, no, I mean – I won't be surprised if the Chiefs pull it off. Do I think Joe Burrow, if he wins this, he be, he becomes not the GOAT, but he becomes the modern Tom Brady in that he is inevitable. He is the silent killer. Yes, I undoubtedly think so. And if they make the Super Bowl, I think they win it all. 
Um, as far as the Joe NFC, Burrow? Joe Burrow, okay. yes, firmly believe that. And if Pat, I think Patrick Mahomes, if they make it as well, I do, th- I do see a path where they also win their second Super Bowl in four seasons. And I think that that would also be huge for his legacy, um, proving to everyone once and for all that he is going to end up being a top three, top five quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, the NFC is more interesting to me because it's a question of can the surrounding cast, and as we talked about Dak and the Cowboys. The, the thing with the Cowboys is they expected Dak to carry that supporting cast and elevate their play for as great as some of that talent around him is. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, they literally said, we need to draft Trey Lance because we can get to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a game manager, but we can't win it. Um, and now they're literally trotting out Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0 and Brock Purdy. And they're like, yep, it's all good because look at the supporting cast. We got mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey. We got George Kittle. We got Debo. It doesn't matter. Um so I think that one's going to be fascinating. I'd probably go with the Eagles in that game just because they do have home field advantage and because their defense is playing at such an elite level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I am going Eagles on that one um, just because I do think that even despite all of the weapons, the some things started catching up to them offensively. Um, and Dallas's defense definitely has their high points, like Michael Parsons, for example, but um, it – I, I just think that certain things started to catch up with them offensively, even with all of the guys that you can name. And I think that Eagles defense is really good. I think Jalen Hurts is just he he's hard to he's hard to stop when he's healthy um, because he can do so many things and he also has weapons to help him a ton. But that one that one's honestly really hard for me. I can see it going either way. And obviously, I think the Bengals Chiefs for me, the way that Patrick Mahomes is right now, I don't I don't see a way they they can beat the Bengals with the way he is right now. Yeah, I think both games, you can make logical and rational points for picking each team. JJ, who you got? I actually am going to go with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, and the NFC is crazy hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go with the Niners. Oh, yeah. That's the actually who I picked yesterday on our show, too. The Chiefs, just because it's funny, Rayshon Jenkins called the Jaguars cockroaches. I feel like that's the freaking Chiefs. You have Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes on one leg, and yet they still find a way to win. So my mom texted me during the game when Patrick Mahomes got hurt and said, is this the moment where we realize that Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid are equally as vital to why Patrick Mahomes is considered the player he is? Mm-hmm. And you could make the argument she's right. Yeah, absolutely. It, Travis Kelsey is so hard to defend. We look at other tight ends that are really good that are going to be in, in this Sunday's games too, and they're great. But there's something even better about Travis Kelsey. And then I've got the 49ers just because I think the key to that game is going to be those really elite 49ers linebackers that no one really talks about. They always talk about Bosa on his 18 and a half sacks. But they're linebackers with Dre Greenlaw. And there's a guy whose name I can't pronounce. And then there's another one that I'm forgetting his name. I'll look it up in a second. But either way, I just read a great article about the 49ers linebackers and how Mm -hmm. they are all together because two of the three of them grew up with really tough uh, childhoods mm-hmm. and so they've formed a bond with that and then their linebackers coach right now is actually going through cancer treatments and he's got a type of cancer that cannot be cured but they mm-hmm. say the life expectancy is like five to ten years and so they've all bonded through that as well and so I'm going to say that that's the reason uh, that the 49ers win. Yeah yeah. I, I mean I think I love obviously Nick Bosa's my boyfriend but I um <laughs> I love Fred the 49ers. Warner. Thank you. I oh Warner. Yeah, yeah yeah. And then Aziz Alshair. Az- yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. Was he the one that just – was that who just got in trouble? No. I don't think so. I was reading something earlier. Maybe it wasn't him. Um. But, yeah, for me, the Eagles, the one thing that I think 
The Eagles have 70 sacks on the season. and yeah, Isn't that crazy? Insane. I mean, like 20-something more, I think, of the next team. It's absolutely incredible. And Brock Purdy, I don't think, has faced anything like that. Um, that much pressure, that many guys in your face constantly. So I do think that's one of the reasons I personally think that's just going to catch up to him a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Niners' defense is absolutely insane. And we saw that this last week and how many guys can do so many things. And that's what's dangerous about that defense. So that's what, to me, that's why that one's so hard because I just think that, oh, man, those defenses can tear each other up. Charles Amenahu is the guy who just got arrested. Okay, yeah. Uh, Pushed his girl on the ground. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, no. it, what's crazy also about the AFC-NFC championships is we talk so much about how the NFL is a passing league and this and that, and, and certainly for the Chiefs and Bengals and the Eagles and the 49ers, they all have their strengths with that. But it could end up coming down to the running backs, which mm-hmm. is what's crazy. Yeah, we don't think about necessarily Pacheco with the Chiefs, but McKinnon coming out of the backfield with his nine passing or nine receiving touchdowns this season – and then, you know, you look at obviously what they've got on the other side as far as the NFC goes, Miles Sanders and Christian McCaffrey and Jalen Hurts, who like, will run mm-hmm. the ball himself. Like, it's kind of crazy how it we could end up having kind of a lower-scoring NFC championship. Either way, I think we are going to have great games on Sunday. I'm just still bummed that we're not talking about a Jaguars-Bengals preview. That's what I'm very upset about. As I was preparing the show, even typing <laughs> final impact players, that made me upset. Uh, all right. Mia, when it comes to a basketball update, we've got a couple minutes. Take us through the latest. Yeah, um, the Big 12 is good, and they're all beating each other up. That's my biggest update. Um, Also, all the teams at the top basically got beat outside of Purdue and Alabama this past week. I know I talked about it last week, but I want to reiterate it again. I put them as number three in my poll. They are number five in the AP Top 25's poll. The story of Keontae Johnson Mm -hmm. and this Kansas State team is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. They were the only Big 12 team in the top 25 that went undefeated last week with a huge win over Kansas and Texas Tech. Keontae has the game winner in overtime. Um, Kansas has now lost three straight, two of three. They just lost again last night to Baylor, um, so they're kind of on the decline. Um, but but this Kansas State story is incredible because it's a first-year head coach. It's a team that only had two players coming back from a season ago. They're built entirely out of the transfer portal, and now they're the number five team in the country. So um, kudos to to that whole staff out there because it's, it's such a great feel-good story. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Purdue is basically number one by default because uh, Houston got beat by Temple at home, and then Kansas uh, obviously suffered a couple of defeats last week. And so uh, as we take a look at the top 10 right now in the AP Top 25, Purdue, uh, actually, you can believe it, is the only uh, Big Ten team that is ranked in the top 25, and they're number one. K-State, Arizona, or excuse me, Purdue, Alabama. I can't forget Alabama because we want to talk about them when it comes to your Gators here in a second, Lauren. Unfortunately. Um, Alabama, Houston, (laughs) Tennessee, another SEC team, K-State, Arizona, Virginia, UCLA, Kansas, and Texas. And so, obviously, there's a lot of Big 12 energy there, and there's some SEC energy as well. The Florida Gators suffered what was – perhaps the biggest barn burner of the SEC season, that 54-52 loss to Texas A&M last Wednesday. I was, like, looking around, like, please just score points. It Entertain was, me. It, the Florida Gator men's basketball team had 12 points in the first half of that game. I was watching it. Well, yeah, re- re- repeat that, Lauren. They had yeah, 12, 12 points, points in the first half. Through 20 minutes, they had 12 points. They were 2 of 26 from the floor. I was watching that game at Island Wings with Frank and Hayes, and we were just in disbelief that it could be that bad. Yet they still had a chance to win. The Florida-Texas A&M men's basketball games are always back-and-forth affairs, but Texas A&M seems to always get the better of them. Yeah, I, think the, I think the week before – was it the week before they started 1 for 21? Yes. It's like their starts are – every morning when I'm doing my update after a game, I'm like, if they could just – 
start a little faster. Fast, Mike White uh, and Todd State. Golden are the Spider-Man meme looking yeah. at each other. Um, but they do get South Carolina at home on Wednesday, and that's after picking up a win on the road at Mississippi State, who was a top 25 team earlier this year. Um, so so that'll – I mean, listen, if they went two or three heading into that big matchup with, wait for it, Kansas State in the Little Apple on January 28th, as in this Saturday, this Saturday yeah. I mean, listen, I, I would take that. Uh, and then, of course, I got to give a shout out to the Iowa women's basketball team. My dogs love them. Uh, just knocked off previously unbeaten 19-0 number two Ohio State. Any day in which any team can beat Ohio State is a good day. I said what I said. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, just such a pretty brand of basketball, even independent of my affinity for that program and how Lisa Bluter runs it and the fact that Caitlin Clark is the national player of the year. The fact that all but one bucket they made in the first half was assisted. I mean, it's just some of the prettiest brand of basketball you're going to find, men's or women's. And so uh, shout out to my Hawks. And uh, we don't have enough time, but I'll get into my rant at some point in, an, in a future show about – how Caitlin Clark keeps getting fouled and keeps somehow mysteriously getting these technicals called and intentional fouls. And I don't know. I just find it fascinating because for so often, you know, the best player in the country gets all the calls. Patrick Mahomes gets all the calls, but not Caitlin Clark. So, yeah. Conspiracy. Conspiracy for yep. sure. All right. That's going to do it for us. Stay tuned for Into the Night with Rick Blue. He comes up next for Mia O'Brien, for JJ LaSelva, for Taylor Dahl. I'm Lauren Brooks. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening.